Welcome to the Birmingham Vineyard podcast. We hope you find it insightful and encouraging. If you want to find out more about us, why not check out our website, birminghamvineyard.com. I I feel like I need to establish some ground rules this morning. Um, There will be no mention of Welsh rugby at all. There will be no mention of the Six Nations. And for any fellow Wales supporters, there will be a time of ministry and intercession after the service today. You know, the Gospel of Matthew was the early church's favourite book. It was the most quoted, the most copied, the most preached Christian book of the New Testament. And Matthew is above all a teaching book about how to be a follower of Jesus. And that's our core value as a community. And Matthew is structured around five discourses of Jesus, which mirror the five books of Moses in the Hebrew scriptures. And today we're arriving at Jesus' second discourse in Matthew, his missionary discourse. And we're going to look at the mission of the kingdom. You could sum up my talk today in one sentence. The works of Jesus must become the works of his disciples. You can all go home now, that's it. (laughs) Apply that. (laughs) We're in the fourth week of our series on the gospel of Matthew and the kingdom of God called Clash of Kingdoms. And when we say the word kingdom in English, we usually think geographically and think of a place or a land under the rule of a king. But biblically, kingdom is a much more active word. Rather than pointing to the location of rule, it points to the activity of the ruler. The phrase then, the kingdom of God, means something more like the ruling of God, the kingship of God. It's an intensely active phrase. Biblically, kingdom is a verb, not a noun. And when we survey the entire New Testament, we see a picture of a cosmic battle going on, a clash of kingdoms. There's a war between the forces of good and the forces of evil. There is this cosmic battle. And before Jesus comes, the world is under the dominion of darkness. Yet when Jesus comes, he inaugurates the kingdom of God. And through Jesus, the kingdom has come, but has not yet come in all its fullness. And we live in the tension between the now and the not yet of the kingdom. And this language expresses the the tension we feel as we live in the world. Sometimes the kingdom breaks in marvelously. We see people healed, saved and delivered. But sometimes, frustratingly, the the not yet of the kingdom, we don't see the kingdom fully manifest. Let's read today's passage. We're we're in Matthew chapter 9 in verse 35 and we're going through to 10.13. You can follow along on the screen. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, 
He had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to the disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Chapter 10, Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and heal every disease and sickness. These are the names of the 12 apostles. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and his brother Andrew. James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. Philip and Bartholomew. Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector. James, son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus. Simon, the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. These 12, Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Do not get any gold, silver, or copper to take with you in your belts, no bag for the journey, or extra shirt, or sandals, or a staff, for the worker is worth his keep. Whatever town or village you enter, search there for some worthy person, and stay at their house until you leave. As you enter the home, give it your greeting. If, your, if the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. If it is not, let your peace return to you. So as we consider today the mission of the kingdom and how the works of Jesus must become the works of his disciples, I'm going to look at the problem, the people, and the program. So let's start in chapter 9, verses 35 to 38, and look at the, at the, the problem. Jesus is on a ministry tour around the towns and villages of Galilee, and everywhere he goes, he is teaching preaching and demonstrating the kingdom of God. How does Jesus demonstrate the kingdom of God? Verse 35 tells us, by healing every disease and sickness. Leon Morris says this, that this is a comprehensive expression that brings out Jesus's mastery over all ill health. You know, over the last year, this has been a challenge for me as two of the closest members of my family have had huge health challenges, one physical and one mental. And at times, it's felt like ill health has had mastery over those I love most. Today, I want to kick off by saying, Jesus is greater than your ill health. Yes. He is master over it. Yes. Whether you or someone you know is suffering from chronic pain today, Jesus is master over it. Yes. Jesus is master over cancer. Jesus is master over stress, anxiety, and mental illness. Sickness is not part of God's purpose and God's kingdom. And when his kingdom comes in all its fullness, sickness will be gone. But the kingdom, I said, has broken into the here and now. So today, your next step may be to come forward and receive prayer for healing and invite God's kingdom to break into your situation. Or today, your next step may be to come forward and pray for somebody to receive healing.
Because verse 36 tells us when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. God is a God of compassion. In the Old Testament, in Deuteronomy, one of God's names in Hebrew is El Rachum. That's the Welsh way. <laughs> Which means the, the God of compassion. And often as we read the Gospel of Matthew, it says that Jesus was moved by compassion. You know, compassion is more than merely feeling sorry for someone. The Greek word is splagnitsomai. Turn to the person next to you, try not to spit all over them, we don't want COVID back, and say splagnitsomai. <laughs> Fantastic. Splagnitsomai literally means to be moved in your guts or to be moved in your bowels, which are the seat of your emotions. Compassion is a revelation of God's heart for something or someone that moves you to action. Today, God wants to use us as his hands and his arms to reach out and pour his compassion on a hurting and needy people. Where is God moving you? in your guts today. You know, I'm praying for a Holy Spirit bowel movement this morning, that God literally moves you in your guts this morning. Who is God revealing his heart to you for this morning to move you to take action? Because in verse 36, we see that the people were harassed and helpless. Some translations use adjectives like distressed, downcast, worried, dejected. It literally means torn. There's an image of like a wounded animal. They were like sheep without a shepherd. What are sheep like without a shepherd? They're literally all over the place. They're in danger from predators. They're lacking protection. They're lacking provision. They're certainly not lying down in green pastures or beside still waters like the sheep of Psalm 23. If we look at the world around us today, if we turn on our social media, if we talk to our friends and neighbours, we can see that people are harassed, worried, dejected, like a sheep without a shepherd. And Jesus says in verse 37, look, there's a plentiful harvest. There are people who are ripe for the kingdom of God, but more workers are needed. So what does he do? He asks his disciples to pray for more laborers. Now, I don't think the disciples realized at this point that they were actually the laborers that they were praying for. Sometimes we are God's answer to our own prayers. Is God whispering to you this morning that there's something you're praying for? Where he's saying, you're the answer. You take the step. You go. Because it's interesting that Jesus got the disciples to pray before sending them out. Jesus prioritizes prayer. And one of the jobs of the workers in the field is to pray for more laborers for the harvest. 
Actually, as a practical encouragement, I'd encourage you to go on the app store on your phones and download the app Operation World. You may, if you're old school, you may remember the book Operation World. And each day, it prompts you to pray. Today is Austria, I think, to pray for a different country in the world and specifically where more workers are needed in that country. So that's the, the problem. Let's look at the people in chapter 10, verses 1 to 4. Jesus takes action to see that the need is met by authorizing and sending out the disciples as his representatives. And Jesus gives the disciples authority. They're now his full representatives and can do everything that Jesus can do. Notice the parallels between chapter 10 verse 1 and chapter 9 verse 35. It's now the disciples who have authority to heal every disease and sickness. As disciples of Jesus, we too have been given that authority. And today, as we seek to step out as Jesus's representatives, we need to stand firm in our identity and our authority in Christ. Patty Putnam says this, identity is the bedrock of power evangelism. Once you know who you are, you are empowered to give it away to others. And one of my favourite verses in the whole Bible centres on our identity. It's Ephesians 2.10. It says this, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. You know, we are God's work of art, his masterpiece. The Greek word there is literally poema, from which we get our word poem. You know, a work of art shows something unique of the artist who created it. God has made you a work of art. He has uniquely created you and he's recreated you in Christ. For some of us today, we need to hear God saying, you are my masterpiece. You uniquely reflect my glory in a way that no one else does. Maybe you need to receive that for the first time today. That is your kingdom identity. And Jesus now gives his disciples the title apostles, which means sent ones. They, the disciples were now Jesus's ambassadors. You are God's ambassador. If you look up ambassador in the dictionary, it says it's an official envoy, a diplomatic agent of the highest rank, accredited to a foreign government or sovereign as the resident representative, I love that, of his government or sovereign. You know, one of my university housemates uh, is now a British ambassador. He's come a long way since we used to try and grow seeds in each other's boxer shorts, but that's a completely another story. And that's why I'm not saying his name. Um, and he works, he's worked in various foreign uh, countries as the official representative of the United Kingdom. He represents this kingdom. We are called to be kingdom representatives, not of the United Kingdom, but ambassadors of the kingdom of God. 
But the good news is that Jesus just doesn't choose his ambassadors from the civil service fast stream, from the best and the brightest. He chooses ordinary people like you and me. Look at chapter 10, verses 2 to 4, and the list of the 12 apostles. You've got Peter, which literally means rocky, famous for his instability. You've got James and John. They may well have been actually a member of the upper class, because it says in the Gospel of John, they knew Caiaphas. These were aggressive guys. They wanted to be leaders. There was Andrew, the quiet man, who was always overshadowed by his brother. There's Simon, who's an ex-terrorist. There's Matthew, who's a pro-Roman tax collector. There's Bartholomew, who was known for his sincerity. And you've got Thomas, who's this pessimist doubter. You've got Philip, James, and Thaddeus, who are so mediocre, we know nothing about them. (laughs) And then you've got Judas, who literally betrayed Jesus. Michael Eaton says this, Jesus uses very ordinary people. The unstable, the upper class, And the aggressive, the quiet person that nobody notices, the mediocre, even the unbelieving. When we struggle with whether we're adequate to carry out God's purposes in the world, and we all struggle with that, we can remember that the first ambassadors Jesus called were wholly inadequate. And you know, God especially uses those who recognize their own inadequacy. I was reminded of a saying Randy Clark uses that he wrote a book about. God can use little old me. God has given us the authority to do the stuff. He sent us out as his ambassadors and wants to use us as agents of his kingdom. So finally, let's look at the program. From chapter 10, verse 5, Jesus gives his instructions to his disciples, his mission message Warren Wearsby says, before Jesus sent out his ambassadors out to minister, he preached an ordination sermon to encourage and prepare them. In this sermon, the king had something to say to all his servants, past, present and future. And I think the first thing Jesus says in verse five is start where you are. Jesus and his disciples are in Galilee and Galilee was surrounded on all sides by Gentile areas except for Samaria to the south. So in verses 5 and 6 Jesus restricts his disciples to Galilee at this time. Jesus is calling us today to start where we are. Where has God put you? Today where is your Galilee? Your workplace? your university, your friends, your neighbourhood, your family. Although note, as we go on in the Gospel of Matthew, we get to the end in chapter 28 and Jesus instructs them to take the good news to all nations. And actually for some of us today, there may be somebody today that God is stirring something in you to take the good news to another country. And Jesus gives them a message to proclaim the kingdom of heaven is at hand or has come near. And this message of the kingdom is our message too. Because if you go to the book of Acts, you see Paul takes the good news of the kingdom all the way to the capital of the known world, Rome. And at the end of the book of Acts, it says this in Acts 28, for the next two years, Paul lived in Rome at his own expense. He welcomed all who visited him, 
boldly proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ and no one tried to stop him. I love that. And the phrase the kingdom of God is near is a hugely loaded phrase. It means that God's future king is sure. God's rule and reign is a present reality. Yet it also means that there's more to come when God's rule and reign comes in all its fullness. Professor Craig Keener says to make disciples for this king is to proclaim the good news that God's future reign is already active in this age. And when Jesus gives this message in verse 7, he says, as you go. And there's a note in my Bible that says that's the present active imperative tense. What does that mean you're saying? Well, the message to the f- that the first apostles were to proclaim was that they were to proclaim it and go on proclaiming the kingdom of God. It is continuous action. And that challenged me. Am I continuing and going on to continuing proclaiming the kingdom of God in my life? What about you? And the disciples' message was to mirror and extend the mission of Jesus in preaching the coming of God's kingdom and in healing the sick. They were to do the stuff. The apostles' message was to be accompanied by action. John Wimber, who founded the Vineyard Movement, said this, the kingdom is about doing just as much as teaching. If you aren't doing the works of the kingdom, the message isn't complete. I pray the vineyard never stops taking the risks of the kingdom. And notice what it says in verse 8, freely you have received, freely give. We're called to give it away. God has filled us with his Holy Spirit so that we can overflow like a fountain to those around us. And if you want to learn about doing the stuff and practice it, speak to Ruth and Gavin about their course. And in verses 9 to 10, Jesus tells the 12 they're not to take provision for the journey, no staff to protect them, not even a copper coin. Jesus wanted the apostles to be totally dependent on God. Now, if you're like me, any control freaks, any recovering control freaks in the building, before I do anything, I have to have everything in place. I have to have everything under my control. But Jesus was calling his disciples to step out in faith. As Wimber used to say, faith is spelt R-I-S-K. You know, in 1966... Jackie Pullinger was called by God, aged 22, in a dream. And God called her to go. So she boarded a boat to Hong Kong and arrived knowing nobody with only £10 in her pocket. She had to totally depend on God as she worked amongst the opium addicts in the walled city. And she saw God move in amazing power and he's still moving through her work today. God is calling us to take a step of faith, a step of dependence upon him as agents of his kingdom. As I close today, why don't the band make their way back up? In verses 12 and 13, Jesus instructs the apostles to give the households they enter their greeting. What was the Jewish greeting at that time? It was shalom, peace be with you. 
This was a blessing that the favour of God would rest upon someone and their whole household. Today, God is calling us to be agents of his shalom, to bring that blessing of God's peace upon people. God's peace, his shalom, is about wholeness, completeness. It's well-being in the wider sense of the word. It's about life in the kingdom of God. You are God's ambassador, his sent one, his authoritative representative. He has called and filled you to proclaim the good news of the kingdom and to do the stuff of the kingdom, to bring a blessing of peace to a harassed and hurting world. Where is God moving you in your guts today to take a step of faith and reach out to someone with the compassion of the Father? Amen. We hope you enjoyed the talk and found it helpful. Why not come along and visit us? We gather at three services across two sites on a Sunday and meet during the week in small groups across the city. More information on both of these can be found on our website. Thanks for listening and God bless.